You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Welcome to I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Hello, Ben. How are you? One second. Look, I fail to comprehend your indignation, sir. I have simply made the logical deduction that you are a liar. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm? No. Well, good day to you, sir. No. Sorry about that. Um, what, what was that all about? <laughs> Oh, uh, I was onto customer services at um, intergalacticwish.com. Oh, um, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They said that they um, sent my um, specialist gentleman's products. Uh, <laughs> they sent them on a freighter two weeks ago. Um, I said, well, it doesn't take that long. To, <laughs> oh, uh, sir. I mean, you know. Clearly, you've never you've never ordered from intergalacticwish.com before. It's a it's a two or three month job, even even at warp nine point five. Uh, yeah. Well, no, quite. And you know, I mean, in case you're curious, uh, what I bought. I mean, if you've ever used intergalacticwish.com, you know that you can get all sorts of stuff. You can get lovely little decals that you can put on your um, standard issue phaser. <laughs> yes. You can get- uh, you can get cosplay clothes of uh, what I understand were the clothes that they used to wear in roughly the 20th century really? uh, on Earth, which is mm. quite weird. Yeah. Um, and also, you can get strangely bejeweled butt plugs for um, <laughs> your, for your tag. Fascinating. It is fascinating. It is, right? Mr. Spock. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I last uh, last year I got a, a cosmic skin yeah. for my tricorder. Uh, it oh, just nice. it's you know, it's cheap as fuck, but you know it just slides right over the tri. It looks cosmic. Back. Uh, which is really cool because, of course, I don't see enough of that uh, living in the warp nacelle. Uh, there's no windows here. So no. well, it's as close to a space as I really get. There may be some quarters coming for you soon. Oh, lovely. Are you getting yeah. those from intergalacticwish.com as well? Because it could be a while before they arrive. Yeah, quite, quite well. And it turns out that they're not real. They're um, a small model of them. Oh, damn it. Um, well, I mean, yeah. that is why it only cost uh, two bars of gold press latinum. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about mm. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Ben. Episode oh, yes, six of, of season one. It's called Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. Please, somebody lift me there because <laughs> mm. I am begging you. Please beam me up to that place. Um, the Enterprise. <laughs> and now he's gone, listener. Oh, hang on. Should we bring him back? Okay, let's bring him back. Now, is he careful Damn what it, you wish for? <laughs> yes. Tom. Oh, fine. Okay. Uh, by the way, I don't know where you sent me, but for a moment there, it was delightful. So mm-hmm. I was uh, storing you in a transporter buffer. Really? It's nicer than it's nicer than I've heard uh, than it's ever been made out to be to me. So, yeah, uh, I highly recommend if you need to unplug transporter buffer. 
uh, everyone, I highly, I highly recommend a vacation. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this episode. Uh, the Enterprise restre- uh, receives a distress call from a shuttlecraft under attack from a warship while returning to the planet Mahalius? Mahalius? Did they? Thank you. Uh, Uhura uses the Enterprise's phaser to destroy the warship. The shuttlecraft personnel are beamed aboard. A boy, designated the first servant, his father, a physician named Gamal, and Alora, president of Mahalius. Mahalis? That's an awful cough you've got there. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> Pardon. Uh, who is an old flame of pikes because of course she is. Uh, Alora enlists Pike to help return them to Mahalis. <laughs> I shouldn't have had that that synthahol Ben before we started recording. Uh, Uhura and Naan Nunian Singh investigate the shipwreck and discover its origins in a rebellious colony of that planet whose name I can't say. Magellus. And uh, sure, yes, yeah. Magellus is what I'm going to start calling it. It's quite weird. Magellus and Gamal's uh, involvement in a rebel plot. Gamal attempts to fake his son's death in order to save him, but the servant decides to beam down to Magellus. Uh, Alora invites Pike to the ceremony. Pike sees a previous servant's corpse, but a guard subdues him when he tries to stop this servant from being connected to the machine that basically keeps their city afloat above what is basically like Mustafar below, if you've ever watched a Star Wars movie. But of course, you're listening to the Star Trek podcast, so you haven't. When Pike awakens, Alora reveals that she betrayed him. The rebels were opposed to this tradition of sacrificing children to preserve the planet's core systems. Pike warns Alora that he plans to report this to Starfleet and escapes back to his ship. Uh, Gamal advises Dr. Umbenga on his daughter's condition and leaves Enterprise for the colony, hoping to save future servants from the fate uh, that his son suffered. Ben, what did you make of episode six? I'm going to say that they've actually nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is, is it the most exciting episode of Star Trek ever made? No. no. Uh, is it the most plot twisty turny <gasps> type moment? No. Yeah. Um, is it, on the other hand, absolutely what the show is supposed to be? Is it a single episode self-contained story that exists with reflections of the the sort of wider arc for lack of a better term yes um, that yet still uh manages to to take you on a journey mm-hmm. uh, that allows you to see effectively pretty much all of the the principal cast of this show um all doing the thing or actually appearing as a crew yeah um do we now understand our characters motivations absolutely mm-hmm. are we effectively are we now seeing in this episode um what i suspect may be peak strange new worlds mm-hmm. uh, my punt is yeah uh, because all of those things happen i mean the, the one of the big discussions uh, around this episode has been that um the storyline is a ripoff and I, i'm not going to go into the whole story about that um you may if you're aware of this, you may know about um, the fact that there's uh, an author whose name all of a sudden has gone out of my brain, but it will come back to me, hopefully, um, who has been, well, um, borrowed from over time several to time. Star Trek episodes. Yeah. Um, 
not just of the the reboot era, but also of I think TNG was probably one of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but 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 but, but um, said author commented in an article in a, a TV guide of all places huh. uh, that they absolutely love the fact that there's a you know a nod in that direction. Yeah, um, and that there have been nods sort of on screen. There's been sort of slight Easter egg nods and stuff, but. A lot of people are saying, yes, well, what's wrong with an actual credit, which is not an entirely good, bad point. Good point, anyway. yeah. Fair. Yeah, um, but the, the reality is that in in sci-fi, there's there's rarely anything absolutely new, because sci-fi, as we know, listeners, operates on the basis of really you know, well-trodden paths in terms of you know interaction between people uh, and you know situations that can occur. We you know, it's a bit like Simpsons. You know, Simpsons did it. Pretty much all of these scenarios have been one way or another kicked around. Just the different people and aliens and whatever involved in it. Um, so eh, nothing particularly new. In this episode, though, the the arc is is as in the episode arc is almost perfectly constructed. Um, it doesn't contain any um, golden arrow type moment uh, for fans of the Who podcast. In the sense that there isn't a a sort of miracle cure to the situation that nicely resolves it in a sort of, you know, satisfying way. Um, it, in fact, we're left really quite unsatisfied, I suppose, at the end of it. Um, the, the the fact is, it, it's a fantastic bit of storytelling. Um, the other thing, I suppose, about it is that we have some degree of very starfully flavoured, but you know, it's a, it's an explanation, I suppose, for um, for Pike's position, given that they're dealing with um, you know a, a different species that isn't a, a member of the Federation, um, and uh, you know whose behaviour is on the face of it pretty damn abhorrent. Mm-hmm. To Pike. Yeah, um, we're touching back on that religion or the- theism, I guess, versus atheism point here, which we've already seen once in in this series um we have uh, all the sort of components there of a of a classic track and yep. it is i i didn't spot a single flaw in it mm. um, we've got a little subplots going on so obviously we've got um the the, the sort of conversation between gamal and uh dr mbanga yes that is water so we might see some stuff go on there mm-hmm. um also are getting our first hint that pike's future is set in stone but maybe not necessarily a set in stone in quite the way we think it is Mm. um the the star trek world likes to leave doors open sometimes and uh, i think they're more aware of it now than they have been for years Mm. and you know because nobody involved in star trek likes tying themselves down or tying future iterations down unlike the world of doctor who yeah um but uh yeah so I, i think here I mean, is this a Pike episode? Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's. I would say it's peak Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's not your favourite captain yet, then yeah. Well, I could kind of understand it, but by God, he's good. Um, yeah. The but but you know he doesn't eclipse everyone else. The mm-hmm. the rest of um the, the rest of the cast all has a moment in here. Of course, we get yeah. to see uh, Kirk, not that one. Uh, having a little bit of a moment as well. Yes. Probably the lines from the show. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it's 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 beautifully made. There's a few mm-hmm. little Easter eggs in there. So, yeah. obviously, you've got, I mean, straightforward references a bit about um, uh, Lieutenant Pike. Uh, that obviously 
ties us back to when well i, I guess it, could, it puts things in context i suppose a little bit yeah um, we've got the th- the thing about the yellow uniform being gold mm-hmm. uh, which is i suppose amusing again helps us tie things down a little bit time-wise as well yeah why is that important i suppose it's important really because the question about um the ultimate fate of uh, christopher pike so pike tells uh alora that you know well basically he knows what's going to happen to him in what what he won't refer to as the menagerie um yes he he says that it's going to happen in 10 years mm-hmm. uh, and like lots of people have picked it apart and basically people have worked out that the maths is wrong because if yes. he says 10 years if you follow the maths strictly on current canon it's actually eight years mm-hmm. um but I mean, there's a bit of room because we don't know exactly when in the course of the year these things, these conversations happen. Yeah, happening, I suppose. But, um, but yeah. So there's there's just the slightest little crack here that suggests that um, something maybe it's a bit of wiggle room. Yeah, but maybe something isn't quite. Like I say, maybe something's not quite as set in stone as mm-hmm. as perhaps we've we've been led to believe so yeah. far. And you know, to, again, to borrow wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff can happen. <laughs> maybe they um, just listened to me, Ben, when I was talking yeah. about uh, how I wish this show could just go on and we could erase TOS from oh. canon, and uh, this can <laughs> just be the new TOS. Uh, as far as that, oh, look, look, Ben, I feel like, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be people older than you or I that are going to humbug the shit out of this opinion because to them, uh, TOS is sacrosanct. There is no better Trek. There will mm-hmm. never be a better Trek. And I look, I get it because to me, there's never going to be anybody better than Picard as captain. Uh, so I, I get that feeling. Although Pike is playing a dangerous game right now. He is, he is encroaching on Picard territory for me. And that's only six episodes in. Um, mm-hmm. But look, he's already upstaged William Shatner. I mean, how many oh, times did Shatner lose his shirt in that show? Pike loses it once and holy shit, the shape nice. of Anson Mount. My God, this man has worked oh, out. I've been telling you. <laughs> Anson Mount's workout routine. He had the giantest arms I've ever seen on a captain in Starfleet. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he had to be in Marvel. Uh, he had to be in Marvel movie shape because he was uh, playing. Um, oh, God, I forgot his name. Uh, I but if we mentioned it last week. But yes. Thunderbolt, uh, loud voice, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Vanda. So maybe he was in Marvel shape for this, but oh my god. Like, the, 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 continue, <laughs> the first thing, Ben, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cast aspersions upon you, but the first thing I thought of when I saw this was, my god, I wonder what Ben thought when he saw this scene. Uh, Alan, you were right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know he was in bed with an alien woman, and that's a, you know, what can I call it? I mean, that's a, that's a complicated wank, but um, yeah. <laughs> you know. There it is, baby. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard complicated wank. That that will turn into a shirt at, at some point, I'm sure. Uh, Geeklymerch.com. Um, but <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, this was uh, aside from all of that. Uh, you're you're right. This was classic Trek, a morality tale about uh, you know. This is a thing that we often do. We. Uh, and when TOS did this a lot, I think they just did it as good or better than the best of TOS when it came to this, which is offering a conundrum with a really difficult line. Like, how do you toe the line here? Mm-hmm. Uh, because morally, 
What they're doing is absolutely horrible and wrong. But if she is to be believed, they've tried to find other ways to power their civilization and nothing else seems to work. The people who designed the system apparently only designed it and basically talking about um, it's a weird uh, because we're talking about using a child to power uh, a city and it's slowly draining his life. But in a larger respect, it's kind of them talking about like, we were born into this society. We didn't make it. We're, we've tried to change it, but we can't seem to no matter what. Uh, Somebody I read on the internet was saying it was, it was a metaphor for um, the uh, fossil fuel and oil economy. Oh, it absolutely could be. Yeah. Um, although that is finite. And, I mean, humans could be finite or people could be finite. So I guess maybe it's possible they could run out of people uh, to do this too. But... Um, you know, it's to me, I think it's a much more apt a description of just talking about society writ large because we aren't born. We are born into the society as it is. We didn't create it. People made it way before we were here. And now it's grown so rigid and complicated at the same time that we don't know how to make any changes to it. And it's not like this kid was take was take uh, taken like kicking and screaming to his doom. He volunteered. He wanted to do this. He was he was a little hesitant, but at the end, like he freely went and and did it because that is what society calls upon him to do. And that is sort of what it is like to when you're born into a society. People just follow it because what else? What else do you do? Um, so I think it was a fascinating and, uh, it was a fascinating take on that and the morality of such a system. Should we make broader sweeping changes to systems like this? And I think the answer is actually, yes, of course we should try to progress and change with the times. I'm not sure what these people could have done in their situation, but you know, um, you know, there's a reason why there was a colony that they were having violent disagreements with because there were people who decided they couldn't live with the way society was structured. It was, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't cross that moral line and they would rather have left and lived a harder life somewhere else than live with this stuff on their conscience. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is a great Trek episode. Uh, it's not, as you said, not the most exciting, uh, and it's really not the most character developy episode either. Then, well, it's not, but, but there is some character development in it and it's not all based on, no. um, on, on say Pike and yeah. the one we've got, we've got little bits we've got, in, I mean, this is how TV used to work. We've got Indeed. little bits of, of information that's sort of appearing. We're seeing relationships sort of mm-hmm. forming slightly now between different crew members. We're yeah. seeing, well, you know, we're seeing kind of a, a, a growth in those crew members, but yeah. at the same time, the, the thing about the, the lack of, I guess, action, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess we've sort of been conditioned a bit now because of how, you know, TV's gone since, well, maybe the late nineties. Yeah. Well, we, I, we have seen that kind of crushing return to everything. Either has to be painfully slow, um, <laughs> but that doesn't really suit the sci-fi genre. Although there are some examples, or stuff is you know absolutely non-stop bang 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 type yeah. stuff. And actually, 
you know, Trek was was never that. Um, yeah, it's never been that in its history. In fact, on the few occasions when it's done that in the film universe, those mm. have been its worst outings. Yeah, um, and in fact, in the TV shows, occasionally you'd get an episode like that, and they were almost always those worst episodes too. Yeah, so. You know, Star Trek is is doing what it ought to do. I mean, this show it exists as fan service. We all know that. Yeah. But um, it's taking a bold move to mm-hmm. to do Trek rather than to do, you know, kind of the tropes of twenty twenty two television. Yes. Um, unfortunately, a they're doing it superbly. Yep. Um, Agreed. And B, you know, the, the fan base of of Trek is 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 big i mean mm-hmm. it's really big to quote douglas adams yeah um and so you know it's not that much of a big gamble the biggest gamble that paramount are taking right now is trying to force everybody to sign up to yet another fucking streaming service but <laughs> um but you know yeah it's um yeah it's it's trek it's trek done well and agreed done, done bravely in the sense that it, it is being trek i feel like the best the way that this show works best for me uh, or I, I think is at least being um, original for me in in terms of modern Trek is that it is taking that old formula. I think we've talked about this before, but it is taking that old formula where the episodes are standalone episodes. But the way that they modernize it is when we go to the next week's episode, we the show doesn't forget what happened to these people yeah. the weeks before. Everything informs the characters, not necessarily the stories, but if something happens to affect a character last week, it will still be affecting them this week. It may get brought up again uh, the next week. It's not that the show, the the episodes are interconnected, but um, the characters flow from, which is a more modern thing. Like we are, there's a continuity with the the characters. We are still following them through this which tos it didn't really happen in that show like almost every week it felt like kind of a reset sort of Mm -hmm. and uh and it's not like there was zero character growth but they weren't really they were fairly rigidly the same characters from week to week and only rarely very rarely would the events of some other episode even be mentioned i think maybe it only happened once in all of tos where they reference Mm -hmm. another episode of the show and i feel like they are managing this fantastically with strange new worlds uh it's six episodes in easily my favorite of the new trek shows and uh, it's just excellent. Uh, any final thoughts on episode six, Ben? And, and what would you give it? No final thoughts. It is uh, it is a fun episode. Uh, the, there was, I'll say the Easter eggs point on there. I've not really mentioned it particularly. There's mm-hmm. oh, there's quite a lot. I mean, a lot of it, the stuff in here though is there's a few little um, amusing sort of in joke bits, but yeah. most of it is, is just a a sort of. Um, mm. What's the word? Uh, it, it's it's more sort of sh- stitching this yeah. into the universe. It's making sure that we understand that this is. It knows where it is in context. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I, I've I've enjoyed a lot of that in this. Um, I mean, who doesn't like a reference to a Rigelian tiger? <laughs> um, Everybody uh, does. Original series, if you don't remember, um, Shore Leave, I think. I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, and also a grappler. We haven't seen one of those since Enterprise. Enterprise, I know. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, Enterprise callback. That's so cute, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so, um, and and I'm going to, my first one, I'm going to give it a full on five. Ooh, wow. Yep. Wow. I didn't, I I didn't bring myself there. I I gave it a four and a half. Um, Still very good. But yeah, I I'm I'm surprised this is the one that you went that you went for the full five on. But uh, this is a really really good episode. I mean, it is everything that classic Trek was. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think we gave Spock a mock a five, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I and we may have given that a five as well. Um, four and three quarters, possibly. That's possible. I mean, we gave it a high score. I mean, we've given most of the episodes this season a really high score. Uh, which should is, say, we, should, we should also give a, a shout out instantly to Ian Ho. Um, mm-hmm. That's the kid who played the first servant in this episode. He was pretty good. I thought he was absolutely bloody brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it was the sort of character where you, you could kind of easily, well, get it wrong. Oh, man. And kids are so um, annoying in Trek sometimes. Yeah, I, well, exactly that, right? They get um, kids wrong a lot in that show. Yeah, but I, th- I thought, well, I'm going to say this. I thought he was a far better actor than Lindy Booth, uh, who played uh, Alora. Alora, yeah. Um, I thought um, Hughes uh, Madhavji, uh, who played uh, um, the first servant's dad, was also pretty good. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's his name? Gal Gamal. Yes. Yes. That's the one. But this this kid's been in a number of things, actually. I was, well, I mean, early career, obviously. He's only, I don't know how old he is. <laughs> like 10, 11, 12? Yeah. Uh, so he started acting at seven, uh, and he is now an age that is not seven. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, uh, not much older than that is the short answer. And mm-hmm. he's already been in Chapelweight. He's been in Handmaid's Tale. Really? Uh, he was in Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, which I've never seen because it's a kid's movie, but actually looks like quite good fun. I might stick that in the... Oh, it's a Netflix thing. I might stick that in the list to watch with uh, youngest nephew. Uh, he has been in Simple Favor. He's been in a stack of other stuff, but like he was in The Expanse for quite a long time. Um, this this kid has... In fact, I can tell you, he started acting at 7 in 2018, so 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. He's 11 years old. My goodness. He has a much better IMDb list than an awful a lot, lot of, of people. IMDb, yeah. So one to watch out for, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's, in case people are wondering, he's also apparently on Twitter and Instagram, which I hope are being uh, content monitored by his parents uh, <laughs> and not by him at his age. But yeah, I thought he was great in this episode as well. Um, just good stuff all around. Like this is the sort of thing I was hoping this show was going to be when yeah. they announced it was coming. And this is the rare occasion of so far it has lived up to my wildest expectations for this show. And in, in some cases exceeded them. So yeah, they are earning uh, rapidly a lot of goodwill going forward with only four episodes left in the first season. So yeah, Pretty excited for this. Okay, everybody, uh, then that is the podcast for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Uh, Of course, this is a listener-supported podcast, and we have a couple of ways you can support if you would like. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merchandise store. 
uh, geeklymerch.com. Links for both you of them. You mean this one. Geeklymerch.com. <laughs> I, I need to get one of those done for this show that's different. That's uh, yeah. a different yeah, we need like a more spacey one. I don't know how you would 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 direct that, but yes. Um, links for both of those are in the show notes for this episode. Uh, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for "I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast." Hit subscribe, and that way you can join us next time to hear us talk about more Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, episode uh, seven of season one called The Serene Squall.